your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Good snap to him. Hangs one up. This is a pretty good kick. Spielman drifting over. Makes a backpedaling catch of the 25. Eludes attacker. He's got some room. 25, 30, 35, 40. Cutting back to the midfield. He's down the near sideline of the 40. 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, J.D. Spielman from 75 yards. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. What are you wearing? Right now? Yeah. Come on. Quarter zip? You really disappointed me today. I thought you'd have Chiefs garb. I got my Chiefs hat in there. You did have your Chiefs hat. And I had a Chiefs shirt on yesterday and a Chiefs hoodie on yesterday. I had my Chiefs talking cap on. It's a proud day to be a Chiefs fan. How cool is that? 50 years. After the first two drives, I'm like, this is not going to end well. (laughs) Henry's going to go for 280 and just crush our dreams away. See, I had kind of a calm feeling because i knew who the quarterback is he just makes it all better amazing run is that like i was screaming at him to throw the ball away on that play (laughs) good thing he didn't listen to you that was the alex gordon home run in the bottom of the ninth right wasn't that not that it was at the end of the game is the end of the half but it well if you think about it i mean it put kansas city ahead and they didn't, they didn't score on the first drive of the third quarter, but they uh, – Had the chance to. Yeah, they got the ball to start. Right. I mean, after that run, I thought, okay, it's our day. Yeah, I kind of did too, and I think if you saw Mike Vrabel's look, he did too. He's like, that's it. Because they had dominated the half, and they go walking into the locker room, and they're losing. Yeah. Mahomes is special. Man, is he special. Well, it's just – and it's so cliche to say, but it's, it's impossible to, to defend everything. You know, they they try Tennessee tried first of all to take Kelsey completely out of the game. They had two and three guys jamming him at the line all day. They're like, okay, well, we're not going to give him those ten to fifteen yard routes like Houston did the week before. Um, and then they tried, you know, the the two high safety look to take away the guys deep, like Tyreek and McColl. Yeah. And when you do that, and you're only rushing four quarterback can take off and that's exactly that's two weeks in a row that that's happened where Mahomes has led the team in rushing it took the Chiefs about a quarter to kind of figure it out then kind of when they did they have so many options they can go like you just said they can go so many different ways they're just a handful to try to defend but what what a moment what a great day for for Kansas City Chiefs fans I know we have a lot of them in the area 50 years that's a long time between Super Bowl appearances and uh Patrick Mahomes, one special guy. Uh, we'll hear more about that coming up in the uh, weekend preview at the top of hour number three. But I had to lead it off because I, I know you were locked in, loaded in that game yesterday, as I as I was, and Nate Rohr was, Josh Hilkeman. Tim was not, but T- Tim's not happy. Not happy, no. I, I was halfway expecting a text message or something from Tim <laughs> last last night if the uh, if the Titans won, but yeah. they didn't. Uh, it was fun. All right, uh, here's what we have coming on the show tonight. Offensive coordinator Matt Lubick is going to join us here in a couple of minutes. He was announced on Friday that he now is the new OC for the Huskers and the wide receivers coach. He and Coach Frost go back to their Oregon days when Scott was on that staff. Scott was the OC. 
Matt was the wide receivers coach when Coach Frost left for Central Florida. Matt got elevated to the offensive coordinator job there. And then when they parted, way, parted ways with uh, Coach Helfrich, he went to Washington with Coach Peterson, was the OC there for two years. I'm going to ask him, Ben, about this, this, this year away from football. That, I know that was a, the thought you had Friday. You want to hear more about that. So I plan on asking him that question. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to find out. I think, you know, when anybody finds out his um, his background and I think his resume speaks for itself, but the one thing that kind of sticks out is the fact that he took the year off coaching and, you know, decided to go a different way with life. And I think that's probably the one burning question that everybody has and, and intrigued to get an answer to. So we'll have that coming up here in a couple minutes. We're going to hear from Fred Hoiberg. He had a press conference today before the Oscars departed for Madison, Wisconsin, where they'll play the Badgers tomorrow night. Hour number two, Amy Williams in studio. What a thrilling win they had yesterday, beating Michigan 74-71. to They keep their league record above 500. Nebraska right now is considered a bubble team. Uh, their non-conference strength of schedule wasn't great, so they're going to have to make up ground in the league. They've done a good job of that through seven conference games. They'll need more of that. We haven't had Coach Williams in studio for a couple of weeks now, so looking forward to that. Matt Cotney will steer you through that hour of the program. Uh, the Weekend Rewind again in hour number three. We'll also recap for you. Today is the, the deadline for college players to put their name in for early entry to the National Football League draft. We've got the latest. Austin has been compiling all the names. We'll go through and see how uh, what this looks like from a national perspective and then drill down to the Big Ten. How is it going to affect the Big Ten Conference moving into 2020? So we'll have that coming up here uh, in hour number three. Let's go back to Oscar Hoops. Um, game of runs on Saturday, Ben. Nebraska had a terrific two-minute stretch in the first half where they led by 9-23-14. It forced Archie Miller to call a timeout. Indiana kind of figured some things out, steadied the ship, even took the lead into the locker room where they had a 46-41 lead at halftime. And then I don't, I don't know how to really explain the start of the second half because the Hoosiers go on a 16-2 run to start the second half, and they open up a 19-point lead. And Nebraska then kind of found themselves a little bit, got it down to into single digits a couple of different times, and, and then and, and held Indiana without a field goal for eight minutes. Indiana went from the 12-minute mark to the 4-minute mark without a field goal. But that's where you feel like Nebraska, if they were going to pull off this magical upset, they didn't do it because they got sloppy. Yeah, I mean, there were really two – two things that that killed Nebraska in this game uh one of them happened throughout the course of the 40 minutes and the other happened in that stretch where Indiana opened the door for Nebraska to come back that they were killed on the glass again and there was a stretch where they were hanging in okay uh on the rebounding numbers but 48 to 30 that's a huge discrepancy on the glass and and when the way Indiana likes to play um you just you can't be doing that uh, now, luckily, Nebraska was only outscored 15 to nine in second chance points, but that, that's that's too big of a discrepancy. Um, and then the other thing that killed them is you know that stretch that Indiana couldn't throw it in the ocean. I think Nebraska had five possessions, five or of seven possessions in the second half where Indiana came up empty on one end of the floor. You got your stop that you needed, but Nebraska turned it over on five of those seven possessions. 
And, you know, you look at the at the stat sheet, Nebraska only turned it over 11 times, but five of those 11 came in that three to four minute span where you just can't be doing that. And, you know, that's that's the, something that these guys are learning, you know, not maybe so much the older players or guys like Thor that have played in this league. But, you know, if you're trying to, to win a game, let alone come from behind from 19 points, um, then you you have to take advantage of that and you can't let those little opportunities go away that's the difference of winning and losing in this league um you, you might be, be able to get away with a, a little bit of that in the first half but in the second half in crunch time you can't miss free throws you have to rebound the ball and you can't turn it over i mean all those things seem to happen and unfortunately for nebraska they just weren't able to, to climb out of that hole and walk away with another loss you, you talk about the rebounding discrepancy and it was that way when these two teams played in bloomington too back in december and yet, Indiana only had 15 second-chance points. They, they win that category 15 to 9. So it didn't really – it didn't affect Nebraska a lot. They didn't give up a lot of second-chance points in the game. But psychologically, I think it kind of got in their heads a little bit. Eight block shots for Indiana as well. They, they bothered Nebraska at the rim a couple of times in this game. I, I loved the fight Nebraska had. I mean, you're down 19 – they got it down to single digits. They had a couple of cracks, missed threes that would have made it a three- or four-point game. So they really scared Indiana LA because their defense was pretty good there for a while. But as you mentioned, a little bit sloppy. Cam Mack was terrific in the first half. He had 17 at half. He only ended up with 20. Indiana really skewed their defense to defend him better in the second half. He was They tried to take him away from Nebraska and some other guys stepped up and and did some good things Thor had another good game for Nebraska I thought Burke continued to score pretty well for the Cornhuskers but you can't you can't dig big holes like that you, you can't Nebraska's not good enough to overcome those big those big valleys well and think about their last three games right Northwestern trailed by 15 in the first half played great in the second half but it was too late Ohio State same thing yep they led by over 20 and they fought back in the second half, but that's just – it's way too much against a good team. Same thing with Indiana. You trail by 19. Um, well, they cut it to five in the second mm-hmm. half or something like that. And they, when, you, when you fall that far behind, your margin for error is zero. And, and <laughs> Indiana did everything they could to let Nebraska back in that game. But you, you cannot make a single mistake when you're coming, coming from behind. It's the same way in a football game. You know, you're down four touchdowns. You only get so many possessions in, in the second half. You fumble once or holding penalty or, or whatever it is, sloppy on special teams, and that's it. You spend so much of your energy coming back. You know, it only takes one thing to go wrong for all of that. You kind of saw it a little bit in the in the Green Bay-San Francisco game. Mm-hmm. You know, Green Bay was doing everything they could to fight back in the game, but then they just handed the ball to Raheem Mostert and went down and just crushed their dreams on a, on his fourth touchdown. That was it. So you're right. They, they have to find – you know, that first half was great. They went on that huge run. You knew Indiana wasn't going to go away, though. Um, you just you had to find a way to keep that thing close and, and make it to the end. Yeah. All right, uh, those, those are the topics for tonight's show, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371, the number if you want to be a part of the program tonight. Again, Amy Williams coming up at the top of the hour. Matt Lubick's going to join us here in a couple of minutes, the new OC for the Cornhuskers, and we'll hear some clips from Fred Hoiberg, which is tomorrow night's game. We're going to talk more about it when he – we'll get his clips here in a few minutes, but it's going to be a – complete contrast in styles tomorrow night. Nebraska loves to go fast. Wisconsin loves to go slow. Back on a Monday, Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. Full show tonight, including our Nebraska Women's Basketball Hour. Amy Williams will be in with Matt Coatney coming up 
at the top of the hour. We are going to turn it back to football now and delighted to be joined by the new offensive coordinator for the Big Red, also wide receivers coach Matt Lubick, who was named on Friday to take this position. He joins us now in our Woodhouse Auto Family Sports Nightly Hotline. Coach, thanks for giving us some time. Congratulations. What's what's going through your mind right now? Thanks. It feels awesome. Excited to get going. I can't wait to get started. You know, you, you had such a great career in the Pac-12 at Oregon and then at Washington, and I, and I read a story that was in the uh, Fort Collins paper where you just felt like you needed to get some balance back in your life, and you pushed away for a year. Take me through that, and, and what was the last year like for you? Sure. Uh, well, first off, like you said, I feel very fortunate. I've been in some good places with some great coaches uh, who have been instrumental in my life and just the way I think about things. and. Yeah, the, the, last year um, I got this awesome opportunity in Colorado. I kind of wanted to get closer back to home, and uh, it was a business opportunity to let me do that, and I and I took it. And it was kind of at a time where, was, hey, I, I might need a break, and and uh, even though I still love my job, and it was just basically as simple as that. I just want to try something different, and then I got into it, you know, and I enjoyed it, and the people were amazing. Uh, here, here in town and, and the company I worked with, but uh, I really miss football, um, especially once the season started. And, you know, still studied a ton of football, watched a ton of games, and then, yeah, I feel very fortunate I got a chance to get back into it. You have known Coach Frost, I think, for a handful of years. You guys crossed paths at Oregon. Kind of lay it out for me, your relationship with, with Scott. Sure. Well, first off, I have the utmost respect for him as a person and a football coach. And, yeah, I was lucky enough when I went to Oregon, he was the offensive coordinator. I was the receiver coach, so we did a lot of things very closely. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he's the best in the business. He's a great guy to learn from. You know, he's he motivated me with his work ethic and, uh, you know, just how easy he was to, to work with. And so to be able to be reunited with a colleague like that is, is pretty cool. Would you say your your philosophies are similar, or do you have? I mean, you grew up in such a football family with your dad. I mean, are, are, how would you describe it? Yeah, no, I, I think they're really similar. I think uh, you know, I think that's one of the things that he felt comfortable uh, bringing me there with is the fact that, that we both believe in a lot of similar things, and that uh, you know the system. So when he left, I took over for him. And, and ran the same system and, and really believe in that system. And as coaches, you know, he would say the same thing. You're always trying to improve your system and, and look for ways to enhance it. And, and we both, uh, you know, even when I got done, when he left, we always compared notes and uh, stayed in touch and, and just basically both of us tried to get better. You, I mean, I referenced your dad, Sonny, who was a longtime coach at Colorado State, so you grew up in a football family. Did you know early on that you wanted to be a football coach? Uh, you know, I loved football growing up, and for me, because my dad was a coach, it was a way for me to connect with him because it's a very time-demanding profession. And uh, and I got to meet a lot of his friends, which were all huge influences in my life. And uh, so, yeah, I always had an admiration for it. You know, I, I was pre-med. Um, I'm, I'm like, I kind of wanted to go to dental school, and then, <laughs> but the more and more I thought about it, and, and plus how hard school started getting there at the end, I was like, you know what, I want to take a break and coach, and then... Here I am 26 years later, and I'm still coaching. 
You know, if you'd have gone that path, your life would have been a little different, right? If you'd gone taking you, that path. You never path. know what can happen. <laughs> no, no, no question. No question. All right. Why did this make sense for you? Obviously, the relationship with Coach Frost, but, but to Nebraska and the Big Ten. Walk me through that. Why does that make sense to you? Well, you know, growing up a football fan, being a football family, uh, Nebraska was the cream of the crop. Um, you know, and, and Bob Devank, Tom Osborne, those were heroes of mine. You know, I, I've read their books. Um, it's it's always, you know, when you when you think of college football, to me, that's one of the first schools that come up. So so that's one thing. Just being very familiar with the tradition and the success they've had. Um, and the other thing, yeah, like like you said, a chance to be with someone you know that I've worked with before, and and going into a system that I'm that I'm comfortable with that that I've worked in, uh, that, that's a big deal. And then you know I've gotten to know some of his coaches um, just in you know passing how coaches kind of pass by in the recruiting trail, and I've got a ton of respect. I think he's got an elite staff. So anytime you have a chance to go work with elite coaches that can make you better, uh, it's real exciting. And then the other thing that's uh, kind of a, a cherry on the top is it's close to Colorado, you know, where my family is. My family is very important to me, and it's only a six-hour drive, and so that's exciting. We're visit, visiting again with Matt Lubeck, who was named on Friday Nebraska's new offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach. What will the next two, three weeks look like for you? What, do you have kind of a game plan for what you're going to be doing the next few weeks? Uh, to be honest, not really. I got a rough idea. Um, I'm just kind, of, just kind of taking it day by day. Uh, I know I get out there on Wednesday, and I'm excited to hit the ground running. Uh, I know there's still a week left in recruiting, so I'm sure, you know, I'm kind of leaving it up to them. Where, wherever they want me to go, I'll be there, and uh, you know, engage the the recruits that are are committed and signing coming in, and then you know, I know recruiting's two to three years in advance. Start jumping on those guys and getting familiar with those guys, and then, but probably more important than that is getting to know the players. Um, you know, I'm obviously behind on that, and. I'm going to do the best I can to speed up that process and get to know them and, you know, what's important to them and how, you know, let them know me and, and start building that trust level from day one. How important is that, Coach, to, to have that? I mean, you six, well, I think we're six weeks away from the start of spring practice. How important part is that? And you've done this multiple times at different places. Let our audience know how important that is to build those relationships. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything that's, that's more important than that. Uh, the best coaches that, I, that I've been around are the ones that can connect with their players. Not necessarily the smartest, but they can connect. And uh, uh, players, they genuinely can figure out if, if you care about them. And so, you know, that takes time. That's just not going to happen on day one. That's that's building trust. And you build trust by, you know, building relationships and, and, and having one-on-one -on -one conversations and spending time. So, it's like I said, there's nothing more important than that, but it's something that's going to take some time. And it's something that I can't wait to get started, and that's why I got into the business. That's the thing I miss the most about coaching is the relationships. That's the funnest part. They all say that. Everybody does. They say, you know, the games, the wins and losses come and go, but just getting a chance to, to watch a young man grow and develop is so rewarding for, for coaching, and that's why so many people like yourself do that. Well, Coach, congratulations. Can't wait to meet you in person. I know Husker Nation is excited that you're here. This is a pretty fevered fan base. They get after it. They love their Huskers, and uh, everybody wears red in this state. So I hope you, I hope you can get some red in your wardrobe. I bought some red yesterday. I'm getting ready. There he is, Matt Lubick. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate you being with us on our Sports Sunday Hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. 
This is Woodhouse. All right, I threw that out there. You wanted to hear about his thoughts about taking the year away from football. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the the first place people go, and it makes sense. Um, you know, anybody that spent time or covered a football team, or you know, just invested in it every day. Football coaches, you know, how much of a grind it is on you and toll on your families. Uh, you even mentioned that, you know, to us that you know mm-hmm. he still wants to be able to make it home and 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 see family. It, it's it's a 365 day a year job so uh, there's no doubt that it can uh, it can take a toll on you and not entirely surprising that you know he thought it was a good opportunity to step away but um you know it takes a lot sometimes to come back and the right opportunity but it sure certainly sounds like that's the case here want to talk a little husker hoops nebraska quick turnaround after the saturday night game with indiana they're already back on the road they're in madison tonight they'll play the badgers tomorrow night and the head coach met with the media before they left yeah typically they do before they jump on a plane and head out to the next game and coach hoiberg was asked if there's anything they would have done differently at the end of that indiana game looking back on it first of all the turnovers obviously were a big part of that but we continue to guard and, and we continue to rebound that was a thing that I really liked late in that game gave up a big free throw uh, rebound late but uh, you know I thought we rebounded at a high level and that got us out and then you know it was almost like we were in too much of a rush too much of a hurry uh, when we got that thing to eight and you know just trying to go down and get it really quickly even when we had it to six um, we had a couple of rush shots with 50, 50 seconds a ton of time you know continue to try to go down there uh, and make the right play and get an open look. I thought we took some contested ones when we could have attacked the basket. You know, that's one th- one problem that you can probably anticipate as a coach when you're preaching transition, 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 especially on, you know, when you're coming back and that game's getting emotional and you're getting stops, it's only natural that your thought is to speed up on the offensive end and either make a bad pass, turn it over, dribble it off a guy's foot, or take a bad shot. And unfortunately, all those things happened when trying to come back from Indiana. Yeah. The, those two looks they got inside the last minute where they could have made it a one-possession game were good looks. The, the shooters just weren't set. They weren't ready to go up, and they didn't square up. They didn't get those, as Bill Raffrey likes to say, didn't get those puppies organized with those shots late in the game. Nebraska's fallen behind in some road games um, in, in recent times, and, and that obviously can't continue. We talked about that you know, to start the show digging yourself those big deficits um, oftentimes insurmountable to come back how can they get off to better start specifically on the road here's Fred Hoiberg actually I thought we got off to a decent start um, if I'm not mistaken at Northwestern uh, they went on the run about midway through the half uh, you know kind of same thing happened in our last game at home against Indiana built the nine-point lead early uh, and then they went on their big run and a lot of that had to do with transition we did a great job early getting back slowing them down uh, you know, seven of the eight trees were defensive mistakes and, or a straight line drive where they were able to kick out. We couldn't get to the shooter. Uh, you know, second half, the shots they made, you know, that was part of the game plan. Uh, you know, the big fellow Bronx hits two runners from the free throw line and Smith hits a three. And those were the shots we were going to live with, uh, with how we were going to pack the paint in. But, you know, I have been pleased with how our guys have continued to battle. When we dug a hole, uh, you know, we have continued to go out there and fight. Now, that five-minute stretch where we're uh, losing the lead or a team is extending the lead, you know, if you have a five-minute stretch where you're not sharp or you don't get back, uh, you can lose that in a hurry, and things can get ugly in a hurry, and that's what's happened. It happened to Ohio State, uh, happened for a stretch Northwestern, and it happened the other day against Indiana. So just the overall consistency of playing a 40-minute game uh, will hopefully give us a chance to win. Doing that against Wisconsin's a grind. I mean, that's 
it's a lot like their football team you know you can play well against them for three quarters but they pop a big run or two and it's just demoralizing kind of the same same way they play on the on the hardwood it is I have been encouraged by the way this team shows some fight to even when they, they probably aren't going to win they keep coming and coming after a team that's a good trait to be establishing early in coach Hoiberg's tenure yeah there's no doubt they play very very hard for sure Cam Mack had an excellent first half for the Huskers 17 points in the first half uh, had over five assists in that first half as well uh, the three-point shot for him the last few games w- wasn't going down, but when he's hitting shots, he can be a very effective weapon for Nebraska offensively. Coach Hoiberg was asked if he'll start telling him to look for a shot more. Yeah, I mean, he. Uh, I thought he had a really good mix in the first half. I thought he was aggressive <clears throat> looking for a shot when teams would go under on a down screen when he was com- coming up to the top of the floor. Um, you know, he... Uh, uh, a couple of really nice takes to the basket. He got himself to the free throw line. And, you know, the one thing about Cam, I think he does a really good job of taking what the defense gives him, whether it's an under uh, off, a, off a pin down and he's shooting the ball with a lot more confidence than he was earlier in the year, uh, or if that defense is sucked in, he's such a willing passer and generally makes the right play. Um, you know, I think the true sign of a great point guard is when you make tough plays look easy, and he, he certainly does that. I popped up on Twitter to uh, to see some of the post game comments, and I think every beat writer that covers Nebraska had that quote from Archie Miller up in about two minutes time from one another about him being one of the best passers he's ever seen in college basketball, yeah. and um, I mean he's just got tremendous vision. Sometimes it gets him in a little trouble, but you know, a lot of other times it creates points. And he, you know, if you can mix that in, you know, your your ability to pass with your ability to shoot, that's what great point guards do. As a teammate, you better be ready. Yes, with him with him on the floor, it could be coming at any time. No doubt. Well, we talked a lot a lot about it already, but Wisconsin's game plan at Nebraska, um, conflicting styles. Nebraska wants to get up and down. Wisconsin wants to use every second of the shot clock. What's the game plan against a team like Wisconsin? Yeah, they play. Uh, um, you know, it's a very unique game plan. Uh, they invert the floor a lot. They they post up their guards. They run their system. Uh, it's been very successful uh, for them. And uh, we got to be prepared to guard anybody at any time uh, in the post up. Uh, guards, bigs, and then um, obviously they can shoot it at all five positions. And with, uh, with Potter uh, coming eligible here, um, as basically his conference play started, uh, he's added a whole new element to that team with his skill set. So we're going to have to be really sharp uh, going out there. Uh, they set a ton of screens, uh, try to get, like I said, different guys into the post. Uh, and we're going to have to go out and hopefully uh, do a good job of being physical and slowing it down and not allowing offensive rebounds uh, where they can defend us. Through, uh, we have to defend through the clock, uh, maybe for a second possession. So, you know, it's an important game to hopefully go out and get off to a good start. There you go. I mean, obviously, you got to do a lot of things well, and you got to stay within yourself against a team like them. Yeah. 8 o'clock tip tomorrow, 7 o'clock for pregame coverage here on the Husker Sports Network. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Women's Basketball Show right here on the Husker Sports Network. Huskers trail by four. Sam Hybe, deep right side. Hannah Whitey's at the buzzer. Yeah! Betcha! Hannah Whitey throws in a three at the buzzer, and it's a one-point game as we go to the fourth. Our weekly look inside Husker Women's Basketball. Hybe on top. Working at the right elbow, steps back for three. You betcha, Sam Heidi hits her third three. With the head coach, Amy Williams. Leah Brown out top with four, with three. Kicks deep left corner, O'Leary for three, deep left corner. You betcha, shot of the game. Dagger three for Nicea Wiley. And a timeout taken by Michigan. Nicea Wiley stuck.
Duck that three late shot clock. Now here's your host, Matt Coatney. You know, I've been walking around town all day today. I spent about three hours at a local coffee shop getting ready for Purdue, and I've had more people come up to me and say they listened to yesterday's game, and I was just listening to that montage, that Nicaea Eliley three in the corner is the definition of a dagger three, if you think about it. Hey, good evening, everybody. Matt Coatney with you. This is the Nebraska Women's Basketball Radio Hour. Amy Williams is here. We'll take your calls uh, for the entire hour. 866-HUSKER-1. We'll talk about that great win over Michigan yesterday. Preview uh, this week, which includes a home game against Purdue on Wednesday night and a road game at Wisconsin. We'll have uh, Purdue Radio uh, icon Tim Newton here in segment two to preview the Purdue Boilermakers. But that game yesterday, Amy. Woo! Okay. <laughs> Health insurance rates will go down throughout the state because anybody who survived that game, watching it or listening to it, and there were a lot of people, as I said, I've talked to a lot of people today who either listened or watched that game. They could skip their yearly physical because their heart is in great shape if they survive that one. Yeah. I, 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 after you've won a game like that, do you consider coaching a tight come-from-behind win as fun to coach because you won? It's um, it's much more fun than the alternative, yeah. which is to kind of let games slip away like what happened um, at Michigan State this year. Like that was less fun than coming from behind to take a win. But um, I'd prefer just to lead from tip to the final buzzer, Matt. <laughs> well, <laughs> didn't happen that way. I said on the pregame show yesterday that it was important for Nebraska to get out to a good start. And you did against Michigan. You had a four-point lead in the first quarter, but then the Wolverines rallied, got it out to a nine-point lead at 28-19, and at the half you were trailing Michigan by six. They changed to a zone defense in the second quarter. I thought that kind of disrupted your offense a bit. Is that what you thought? I thought so too, Matt. I thought um, when they first shifted to the zone, we did a little too much kind of standing around. We'd have a little initial action if we didn't get anything off of, you know, one or two passes, then there was a lot of stagnant just stand around. And um, and we talked about that a lot at halftime is just increasing our activity and understanding we got to continue to make them move, get ball movement. And um, I thought when we did that in the second half we went on to have a uh, much better scoring second half I don't know where these statistics come from because they're the same official stats I look at preparing for every game but what I looked at prior to the game said Michigan was dead last in the conference the number of three-point field goal makes and 13th in the league in three-point field goal percentage and then here they come out and they hit eight out of 14 triples against you it surprised me, and I mean, they run Maddie Nolan into the game um, for a f- just a few final seconds of the first quarter. She stands in the in the corner. I, I didn't look at your scouting report. If I'm doing the scouting report, I'm like, don't guard her. She hasn't hit a three all year. She throws in a three to take a three point lead at the end of the first quarter. I don't even know if she was on your scouting report. Mm-hmm. Uh, did their three point shooting surprise you yesterday? Um, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. I think um, I, I, we looked at the same numbers that you did, uh, Matt, but um, Maddie Nolan is a player that um, 
we ran across in the recruiting trails. So we knew that although she's 0 for 5 from the three-point line on the year, that she's a very capable three-point shooter because we'd seen her do it plenty of times just with her AAU team and AAU program. So uh, something that, you know, we're well aware of. Um, But, you know, in that situation, we were being aggressive uh, to end the quarter. We were in a trap situation. We rotated over to Nas Hillman, and she found herself open in that corner, and she drained that three. Um, I think that um, when uh, Robbins, who's just a fantastic senior player for them, went down in the first quarter, oh, it yeah. um, it forced them to shift their lineup a little bit, and they brought in some um, – um, you know, players that are um, very capable three-point shooters kind of in her place. And so um, something that I feel like, you know, probably aided in their ability to be more deadly from behind the arc. This is the Nebraska Women's Basketball Radio Hour, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. And the Sports Nightly Hotline is brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference, purchase with confidence, this is Woodhouse. Let's go to the phones. Let's go up to Omaha and talk to Denny. Denny, you're on with Coach Williams. Hi, good evening. I just wanted to make a comment. I'm The only basketball of the women that I do watch is Nebraska. I watch every game, listen to every game, and I have for years. And I was just so surprised about how physical the game is. People knocking people around. Oh, and it just kind of surprises me, and it kind of takes away from the game as far as I'm concerned. And then I got another little comment. I know you can't comment on this, but the refereeing that I see in the women's game is absolutely atrocious. And that's all I got to say, and I thank you very much. Well, first of all, Denny, thank you so much for tuning in to Husker Women's Basketball. We appreciate that support and and you tuning in. And uh, we have the best... um radio broadcast duo in the country so it's really fun to be able to kind of uh tune in on the radio and i appreciate you doing so and and i uh i thought yesterday's game was was very physical very physical basketball game just you know kind of both ways and and two teams just really kind of grinding it out and there were some battle scars after um that one was over and and um you know but something that um i'm proud of our kids to be able to kind of just get tough and and find a way to um to come out ahead there's a picture on social media floating around of Leah Brown. Uh, somebody took this from behind the bench. And her left shoulder looks like either she started the semester with a dance class and her partner's Edward Scissorhands, <laughs> or she lotioned herself with barbed wire before the game on her shoulder. Two huge red scrape marks. And I look at that and I think, in a picture, if someone said, what's a Big Ten women's basketball conference game like? There it is. Leah Brown looked like she had been through it yesterday. But it kind of talks about how tough your team was, don't you think? Yeah, it does. It does. And I thought, um, you know, Leah in particular yesterday, I was really, really proud of um, of her. And, you know, she she got some good open looks against that zone. And, and when she went in, she's just so aggressive-minded offensively, which is what our team needs her to be. And um, she, she missed a couple of um, open looks from the perimeter and wasn't really kind of – 
um, shooting it as well as she sometimes is or is capable of. And um, so in that sense, or in that instance, um, I thought she did a great job of just, you know, really attacking the basket and going into what she knew was going to be more contact situation, more physical situation and taking that contact and getting herself to the free throw line 10 times. And that was really important in our ability to, to secure a win. Huskers won at 74-71. Yesterday evening at PBA, 14-4 and four the record, 4-3 and three in the Big Ten with a game at Wisconsin on Sunday at 11 a.m. Central. So um, kind of getting back to the game, uh, you uh, were behind at the half, 34-28. You went the final five minutes of the first half without scoring. So I thought it was imperative you start the third quarter well, and then whoop, that didn't happen. <laughs> and so they get out to a 41-28 lead, and you've seven minutes now combined. You haven't scored, and then you took a timeout. And I'm not saying you're the only coach up there, but to say that was an effective timeout, I think, would be an understatement because uh, it kind of turned the whole game around. What did you guys talk about during that timeout? Well, um, what we what we talked about is um, I just felt like you know everybody was trying so hard to do something to really um, help our team kind of get over the hump, and it wasn't really working. And then we were so concerned about. Um, what we were not able to do and kind of it was bringing the energy way down so we just spent some time in that timeout huddle talking about the energy and needing to shift that and one good way to do that was to um, just focus on finding ways to lift up one of your teammates when they wherever they needed help and where they needed to be lifted up and um, to pour yourself into being um, an energy giver um, for the for your team and or one of your teammates right now and um, I thought that when we did that um, we we started to kind of chip away and really had some good plays and and um, the energy started to pick up from there forward and um, our belief that we could come back and win that ball game did as well. That's Amy Williams I'm Matt Coatney this is the Nebraska Women's Basketball Radio Hour 866-HUSKER-1 is the number if you'd like to join us on the Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline and the Sports Nightly Hotline is brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Let's go back to the phones. Let's go out to Hall County, Nebraska, to Mike. Mike, you're on with Coach Williams. Yeah, I just want a quick question. You know, I, I love how, and you just kind of really talked about it, how this team really just plays together. They have a, You can tell they got a, a real passion for each other. And I'm just kind of curious, is that something that, I mean, obviously you want to teach it, but do you think it's more coaching or is it just the players really believing in each other? I mean, how do you get that established? And I'll hang up and listen to your comment. Well, thanks, Mike, for the call. And, um, uh, you know, I'm going to credit the players for for that culture and that chemistry. And it's something that obviously as a coaching staff we want to encourage and something that we want to um, recruit is players who have that kind of um, team mentality and and that are excited about, you know, I mean, the the players that um, we're bringing here are um, really concerned about um, what can I do to help us win championships and help – 
help our team win. And I think that um, kind of team concept, that togetherness, you know, it's something today we spent quite a bit of time in film session um, celebrating big plays and big shots, but probably as much time celebrating um, the bench celebrations and uh, the excitement that was coming from, you know, the players on our bench that just um, really tends to fuel that um, that team spirit. And I think there's just a combination of a lot of people. Um, I credit my coaching staff. They have a real team mentality. Um, they're in always modeling, you know, what needs to be done. How can I help? How can I uh, pick up and, and um, the, the staff really complements each other. And I think that sometimes trickles down into the team as well. But uh, it's something that I give the players immense credit for just um, their passion for each other, their excitement for seeing each other do well. And um, that's such a key to success. Well, we talked about in terms of um, team camaraderie that you're going to have to have a team effort to replace the three-point shooting of Taylor Kissinger, who's out for the year. And you got it yesterday in um, going 12 for 24 from beyond the arc. Six threes from Hannah Whitish, that tied a career high. Six threes from Sam Hobby tied her career high. But the Nicaea Eliley hit three triples, and her final one in the deep left corner, and we heard the highlight right before we started the show, I, I think really clinched the game. Was that three for Nicaea, that, what we were calling that dagger three before we came on the air, uh, was that just out of the offense, or was that a special you called from the bench, or how did that come to be? It really just was out of the offense. I thought um, it was it's right before the shot clock buzzer, so it, you know we were being very patient at that point in the game. We had a nice lead, but not kind of um, nothing was really decided yet, and so we were working and working the flow of the offense and working. And I thought that the patience ended up leading to her uh, finding herself wide open um, in the corner. There were several times today when we. Uh, played the film back for our players where you know we could point to look how look how concerned they are about Kate Kane inside and that opened up um, some open looks and when we can knock down open looks from behind the arc it will make things easier for um, Kate Kane and the rest of our team inside as well and and just the way that team kind of work works together but I think that was a true possession where um, where we worked the offense we trusted it we had other um, weapons on the court that they had to worry about and it found Nicaea wide open in that corner and she drained it huskers won it 74 to 71 and they improved now to 14 and 4 overall 4 and 3 of the big 10 866 husker 1-866-487-5371 if you want to dot us up with a comment or question here on a monday night sports nightly okay today final day to put your name in the hopper for the nfl draft one 111 student athletes, Ben. Same as the 2019 number. Uh, fourth straight year, over 100. 18 Big Ten players are coming out early. Let's go through them here. Illinois, Batuku, that pretty good defensive end for them, is leaving Lovey Smith's team, so they lose one. Iowa loses four. A.J. Epinesa, that was expected. Tristan Wurz, who was a Outland Trophy semifinalist, offensive tackle, he's out. That was expected. Geno Stone and Torrin Young both go. Not sure I saw that coming. Yeah, especially Torrin Young. Um, I mean, had a hard time getting on the field 
over a freshman. So interesting, uh, interesting decision for sure. Epinesa was a load for the Huskers. Yes, he he that's putting really it lightly. He really affected that game. Maryland, they lose two guys: Anthony McFarland, their really good running back, and two Javon Leak. Yeah, I was impressed with Leak. He's a really big kid. He fumbled. Yeah, I know. First play of the game. Uh, McFarland's a little bit like Wandale, the way that he plays. That was a huge get when Maryland got him to commit. I mean, that was a – I think he might have been a five-star. He was. Um, And then Leak was just a monster. I couldn't believe he was a running back just standing on the sideline looking at that guy. That's a blow to Loxley. Yes. I mean, that's – you're trying to get some momentum. Well, going. that, and then think about the game that we had with with the the kid with the French the f- nickname, the quarterback. Yeah, blew his knee out. Right, and so that that's three of your huge parts. He was already quick. Yeah, he was good. Whew. He was. Michigan loses three. Their center Ruiz, Donovan Peoples Jones. That's a big loss. The wide receiver and Uche, the linebacker. Michigan State, two guys: Cody White, good wide receiver; Joshua Josiah Scott, their corner. Minnesota loses one. Antonio Winfield, man, was he – he always seemed to make big plays for them in big moments. He sealed like four games with interceptions, led the league in picks. You, know, you don't you don't see much when you look at Antoine Winfield. You don't look at him and go, oh, you know, right. he's not one of those big imposing safeties, but he's always around the football. Buckeyes lose only three, but the three, Chase Young, Heisman finalist, J.K. Dobbins, their all-time leading rusher, and Jeff Okuda, who was amazing here, he might be a top five pick in the draft. I was going to say, those are probably three first-rounders. J.K. is probably a fringe first-rounder, late first, early second. But The other two might be top five. I say, the other two are top ten easily. Uh, Penn State loses two. K.J. Hamler, good wide receiver. And Yetter Gross Matos, the defensive end, he's pretty good. Well, he's going to have a pretty terrible time with the uh, with the pre-draft interviews considering he's in the middle of this hazing incident in state college he is uh, gross yeah. Matos and uh, Micah Parsons when he comes out too, have been said to be kind of ringleaders in this thing so that's not going to be so fun KJ Hamler was good unbelievable athlete uh, he he bust on the scene as a freshman um, against Ohio State when he took a slant route 90 yards for a touchdown we play Penn State next year. They come to Lincoln. We we go to Columbus to play Ohio State. We do not play Maryland, so that one doesn't really matter. Wisconsin, they lose three. You knew Jonathan Taylor was coming out early. Quintez Cephas, who had all the legal issues a year ago, cost him an entire season of football, got eligible. He kicked out of school. Kicked out of school, found not guilty early August. The school reinstated him. The football team quickly said, yeah, a um, little surprised that he's not going to give it one more go. And Biotish, the center, the Remington Trophy winner, he goes early too. That's 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 a loss for them. It is. And then uh, Cruikshank uh, transferred Transferring to Rutgers. To Rutgers, yeah. So they, they lose another playmaker. And Cephas is probably thinking, you know, Jonathan Taylor made my life pretty easy, almost a 1,000-yard receiver. Probably can't improve his stock a whole lot True. after the year that he had. So makes sense but to leave. But he was – he was a difference maker. Yes. Cephas. Yes, he the was. Other Best receiver they've had in a while. Yep. A.J. Tater's fine. Davis is okay. Fine. But Cephas was tough to cover. Nebraska was fortunate because Lamar could, could at least size up and yep. body with him a little bit. All right. That, that's the league. Um, Illinois again with one. I'm going in the West. Uh, the four for Iowa. This is two straight years. 
Iowa's had four guys leave early for the draft. Two straight years. There's some, there's a lot more talent in Iowa City than a lot of people lead that's, on. That's the whole caveat to this conversation that we're having right now is it's good that they're leaving, but the problem is Nebraska doesn't have one. There's not one of our guys on here, you're which right. you're right. Which is great that you're getting people back, but it's bad the fact that you're not bringing guys in here that are good enough to leave early when all these other schools are. We got a whole packet here of guys of schools that are that are leaving early, and Nebraska's not on here. Yep. One non-conference guy, Michael Warren, the running back from Cincinnati. Kind of glad he's going. That's not going to be an easy game at all. Yeah, I want to say, I mean, he might have had 1,500 yards rushing as a junior or as a sophomore. I know he was over 1,000 again last year. So they lose Ritter and Warren, who are, I mean. They're going to be ranked, don't you think, when they yeah. come here? Now, I don't know who they open with, but they're going to start the year ranked. It's a good team. It's a really good team. All right, so there's your list, 111 and all. 18 Big Ten kids go early. Um, Clemson only loses three guys. Clemson is going to be a low. Clemson will be everybody's preseason number one. Isaiah Simmons, young man who grew up in Omaha, uh, went to Olathe to go through schooling. The talented linebacker for the Tigers, he is one of the ones leaving Clemson. But they are going to be a load with Etienne coming back and Lawrence back as their quarterback.